Cameron and Jake are lifelong friends that love video games, movies, and generally all of nerd culture. Very original, right? Jake, that's me, has recently achieved a dream of mine to move to Japan, so Cameron and I stay connected with this podcast. Each episode, you'll join us as we take a nostalgic look back at the culture that we so love. This is Region Unlocked. Well, well, well. If it isn't Jake of Region Unlocked podcast fame. Well, look who it is. Cameron. (laughs) I can't look. This is audio only. I can't see each other. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Perhaps I was a little too figurative with my language. Indeed. (laughs) Well, this intro is stupid. Welcome, everyone, to Region (laughs) Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. Jake, how's it going? Uh, Cameron, it's going pretty well, I'd say. It's a lovely sunny day in Tokyo. A nice break from the the horrible rains that we've been having. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's been gross. Studio Ghibli is still thriving down the road. Oh, yeah? Which is great, surprisingly. You haven't told listeners that, that you're so close to them. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, guys. Um, Studio Ghibli, not the museum, the actual Studio Ghibli is in the neighborhood where I live here in Tokyo. So I walk by it every day um, on my way to work, and I can see right up to Mr. Hayao Miyazaki's office. It's kind of cool, to be honest, when you walk by it. Didn't you say you he like you passed him in the street? He like waved you on to cross or something? Yeah, um, I will stay uh, true to that story to this day, but I think I saw Hayao Miyazaki when I was walking down the road, and he waved me by to cross the road in his car. So <laughs> it's pretty cool, That's considering pretty cool. a lot of people who live around here do say that he does kind of just, you know, walk out in the open Yeah, with uh, everyone else. So it's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, so Jake and I, we actually have the same gaming story this week we both started playing uh horizon zero dawn at like the exact same time i know jake has gotten a bit more carried away with it than i have um but how are you (laughs) what are you thinking of it so far a little bit carried away might be an understatement um (laughs) i'm thinking very highly of it for obvious reasons that i just mentioned and that you just mentioned but uh it's very fun i've been really into these awesome RPG kind of third-person narrative-driven video games recently, and Horizon Zero Dawn is wonderful. Um, It's just a wonderful open-world adventure with beautiful graphics, I must add. Oh, it's so beautiful. It is, but the concept is so unique, this whole, like, almost reversed history where the Uh world resets and the future is the past kind of thing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it it definitely gripped me right away, and I, I look forward to playing it more. One thing I always struggle with when I start mm. a new PlayStation game is, again, what I was saying last week about the controller, is I just I always feel super clunky starting a new game on PlayStation, and yeah. where I just I'm dying a lot because I'm not hitting the buttons right. My aim is always garbage starting out. Um, that's how I felt when I started The Last of Us, where it's just like, oh my gosh, this sh- these shooting controls are terrible, and then. <laughs> As I went on, I was like, oh, wait, no, I I got this and ended up yeah. getting pretty good at headshotting. So uh, hopefully uh, the same thing happens. But uh, you mentioned the graphics, and you're right. This is one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. But uh, I was wondering if you noticed this. Like, people, I feel like this is the case for a lot of modern beautiful games is that faces look really good, but they can mm. really only do, like, one emotion like Aloy just kind of always looks concerned and anytime a character tries to like smile or do anything different really like it's not right it's it's uncanny like they haven't quite got that down yet yeah you're absolutely right I would agree and um I think that's just because emotions are like some of the hardest things to animate yeah animation is such a tedious process um so that's probably why, but yeah, I've, I've noticed that as well. Even with mocap or motion capture mm-hmm. abilities these days, it's still difficult, but I've noticed that. Yeah, how weird. So I wonder if next gen is when they finally start sorting out facial expressions, but we'll see. Who knows? Things to look forward to. 
All right. So anyway, uh, Jake and I and this podcast, we are we're kind of reaching the end of our cherished N64 games. And it's about time to kind of wrap up this little era of discussion. I, I wish we had more to talk about when it comes to the N64, but as we've said, you know, you, you couldn't buy games that much uh, yeah. because you only got them for birthdays and Christmas. But going forward from there with like GameCube and Xbox 360 and all that, like I had, I played so many games, tons and tons of games because yeah. I was trading them, buying them on eBay and, you know, much more independent in, in what I was playing. So there's definitely going to be no shortage going forward. I just wish there was a bit more to say when it comes to the N64. Well, I'm sure there's plenty more to say, and I'm sure we can talk about it for ages and ages. But, you know, what's actually concise and um, and, and good to listen to on a podcast, that's what you got to think about, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might get boring. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think... What's uh what's one game on N64 that you haven't played but wish you had? A game on the N64 that I haven't played but wish I had. Oh so, my goodness. While you think of that, I'll say mine is Paper Mario. Where okay. I actually have Paper Mario because I bought it at a, a, game, a used game store because it looked like it was in good shape. But uh, I still haven't played it yet. And I know that game is beloved. And the graphic style holds up very well to where it's pretty easy to go back to but i just never <laughs> really feel in the moment like oh i should go start an n64 game i've never played it's tough after all these years <laughs> yeah i think the one game that comes to mind right now is mission impossible oh really uh, i remember reading about that game yeah randomly enough I, re I remember reading about that game in nintendo power when it came out it looks so cool this epic spy game with espionage and sneaking around and that was a time when i was super obsessed with that kind of thing yeah and i never played it because it was you know like rated t or m or something and i was not allowed to play those games so no, not. <laughs> yeah no <laughs> that was uh that was the game mission impossible but it's probably not as cool as i always imagined it to be <laughs> well i'm sure it's cool in your fantasy so today uh it's it's gonna play out similar to our 10th episode special where we've chosen a few games that uh we didn't want to devote a whole episode to but we're still gonna break down some cool facts a few uh memories for you guys and hope you enjoy so jake what game do you want to start with you know, Cameron, I think I might start with Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> okay. So, this is a. <laughs> I, go I, ahead. Never, I never played Conker's Bad Fur Day. Have you? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Okay, good. That'd be bad if we were about to go into this and neither of us have played it. <laughs> uh, let me just read this stuff off the palm of my hand. Um, yeah, no, Conker's Bad Fur Day. What a game. This was a, um, a deviation from the classic. Uh, strategy that Rare took. By the way, yeah, this was released by Rare. It was a deviation right. from their kind of kid-friendly um, games that they'd been releasing up to this point because Conker's Bad Fur Day is rated M. It is an yeah. adults-only game. Uh, so it's quite vulgar, I will say that. And I can't really talk too much about the content on this because it's not very appropriate. But the game <laughs> itself is... Um, it plays very similarly to Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, uh, Donkey okay. Kong 64. Same kind of... Um, characters uh same art style kind of this whimsical fantasy world and everything looks rather childish mm -hmm. um but the content of this game is definitely not childish and that caused quite a controversy so this game is about conquer who was um originally a character on diddy kong racing right. which is about as kid friendly of a game as you can get <laughs> and when there was an announcement that conquer was going to make his own video game or was going to be the star of his own video game in 1997 people were excited but no one knew at the time that this game was going to end up being um an m-rated game that's for mature audiences yeah so uh that caused quite a bit of controversy within the video game world and nintendo but um yeah, Conker's Bad Fur Day. This game is about Conker, and he is basically going on this epic quest to become king of the land and uh, head home to his girlfriend because he's been out drinking, apparently. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a crazy concept, and there's a lot of 
uh, levels, a lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of uh, innuendos and such. And um, it plays a lot like a, the puzzling kind of platformer like you see with Donkey Kong 64 and um, Banjo-Kazooie. Actually, I'd right. say it's a little more similar to uh, Banjo-Kazooie, at least the play style. Okay. So um, when this game came out, it was actually one of the last games to come out on the N64. And because of that, it it was kind of a rare game. It didn't sell very well. Uh, I mean, it, it sold well, but because it was uh, released such in such uh, close proximity to the end of the N64, it's right. really hard to find copies. So if you go online and look for this game uh, in its original cartridge form, it will be going for upwards of around 100 bucks at least. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just want to do a quick check. So this game came out in March of 2001, and then the GameCube came out in September of 2001. So, yeah, wow. that's definitely very <laughs> close to the end of the life cycle. Yeah, that is certainly close. Uh, yeah, so I did have the honor of playing this game at one of my friend's houses. And uh, when it was released, it was not permitted to be sold in any of the uh, toy stores, like the big chain toy stores. Oh, really? And, yeah, because it was... Um, for mature audiences and people <laughs> thought that the art style would confuse kids oh definitely which, i guess looking back that's kind of a thing right <laughs> right i mean that's kind uh, of the whole joke of the game is yeah how whimsical <laughs> and disgusting it is <laughs> <laughs> it's a stark contrast that's for sure and even when it came out nintendo power didn't even acknowledge it in their magazine <laughs> oh really <laughs> because there's such a uh, an audience of young readers so i i guess that makes sense um smart for them to uh to do that so anyway uh this was one of the last games to come out on the n64 and it was remade later for the xbox in a in a form called conquer live and reloaded right and that was basically the same game just with revved up graphics and they redid the whole engine and everything oh okay. so yeah that's that's uh about the extent of my core knowledge with that uh cameron do you have any so do, have you played this game at all like have you even played it before no not one bit but i do know um i mean i've seen bits and pieces from i don't know internet videos i know he uh the game starts with what him being like hung over and throwing up and you yep you're you know you've seen a, a squirrel throw up i know there's a boss <laughs> or actually i don't know if it's a boss or not but a giant pile of poo who does a, yep. a, a musical number right it's a does boss yeah okay. <laughs> uh i know there's uh a big there's a flower with some large attributes that are uncommon on flowers <laughs> that you have You're to use wrong. as like a springboard i'm pretty sure yeah <laughs> yeah it's full of a lot of british humor so yeah. it, it's, it can get pretty raunchy considering Rare is a uh, British company. But yeah, the whole story is focused around you trying to get home to your girlfriend because I, that's just a strange concept and it gets really deep and crazy as you go along. So okay. yeah, I had fun with it. It plays a lot like Banjo-Kazooie does, but you just got to have the stomach for some of its humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bummer. I, it's, I don't think it's on Game Pass. I was just looking it up. Oh, snap. Because I've got Game Pass. Game Pass hooks you in because it gives you, it's like, hey, $1 gets you two two months of Game Pass, and then you just don't cancel it. And because oh. it's great. I love it. Nice. But anyway. Okay. So anyway, that's uh, that's Conker's Bad Fur Day, one of the last N64 titles released. Still pretty awesome. Got great reviews. Just didn't come out at the optimal time for the N64, really. People were already moving on for the most part. Yeah. So. How weird. Me, 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 me. I am the great mighty Pooh, and I'm going to throw my sh at you. A huge supply of tish comes from my chocolate starfish. How about some s you little you really think you'll survive in here? You don't seem to know it. Creak your head. All right, so that's Conquer's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> All right, so applause, applause. Yes, <laughs> excellent. 
So let's go ahead and you've got another game to talk about before we yes, get to I do. mine because I'm guessing mine is we're going to end up talking a bit longer about. So let's let's do your other one next. So the second game that I've got to talk about is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Okay. Okay. The legendary Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Uh, legendary on basically every system it came out on. Um, uh, and on top of that, fun fact, this was the very last video game, or the very last, I should say, game to be released on the N64 right. um, ever. And it was the only one to have a black cartridge. So it, What? What do you mean it's yeah. the only one? You confirm that? No, I wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I'm thinking of Donkey Kong 64. Never mind. No, no, no. Hold this on. is not the only one, but it does have a black cartridge. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Why? Why? What do you mean, Donkey Kong 64? What are you thinking about? Because Donkey Kong 64 is the only one with a yellow cartridge. Compared to what? Tony Hawk 2 was on a yellow cartridge. Was it? Yeah. Where am I getting my facts from? Anyway, <laughs> I don't. I don't think there was any cartridge that was an exclusive color. Because I'm pretty sure I've seen just like a random Madden game in black just on the shelves of the game store. Holy cow. Are, are you listening to this, folks? This is this is stuff that I'm learning too. Breaking <laughs> news. Jake didn't own the only black cartridge. No, I, I just, I own, I own the only clear cartridge. No, there's no clear cartridges. No, uh, no I, I, <laughs> I did I don't own trust you at all. There might be a clear cartridge. <laughs> there probably is some awesome uh, mod out there. Anyway. Uh, Go on. Um, Going uh, going away from this, I did own this game, and I wish I would have kept it. I sold it, though, because it was not nearly as good as the one that came out on the next-generation consoles like PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Right. But this one is hard to find because it was the last one that uh, was released on the N64, or the last game released for the N64. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 is the sequel to 2 and the prequel to 4. And oh, it was is that so? quite, yeah, they, well, that was the thing. They came out with uh, multiple ones, but um, it was a lot better on the GameCube. I remember mostly playing on the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, so what you could do is go across the whole game and play uh, through these different levels. There was a couple of unlockable levels that were only on certain systems. So oh. like on the N64, there was an unlockable level called Downhill which was just a whole like downhill escapade okay. inspired by the Rio level. And that was only on the N64. But when you get to the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 on the GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox, you've got a couple of new levels, like the cruise ship, which a lot of people unlock just for beating the game. Oh. But you can also unlock the warehouse level from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, uh, Burnside as well, and Roswell. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, does Roswell have, like, the loop in it? Uh, that was Mexico, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Roswell's the one with the aliens, like the... From the like first the secret game. base. Yeah, from the first game. Okay. And to get those, you have to beat the game, like, so many times with a bunch of different characters. You have to beat the game, like, over ten times to unlock these levels. Oh, really? So it takes a lot. Uh, and if you're a true... A true fan i'm sure that you can probably unlock them i never did just because that's a <laughs> lot of time and then on the xbox version you've got the oil rig which sounds really cool <laughs> but these are all unlockable levels that are exclusives um on the playstation 2 version it's tied as one of the highest rated ps2 titles uh in existence oh really yes tony hawk's pro skater 3 and it got insanely good reviews uh when this game came out it was such a new thing. It completely was a, a total deviation from the original Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater engine and graphics, obviously, on the next sure. uh, on the next generation consoles. But it was a lot smoother. Um, tricks were a lot easier, and it, it just seemed more fun. I can't really explain it. Um, so yeah, that's that. And then there's a lot of unlockable characters as well from different franchises that are quite interesting. Yeah, I just like, looked them up. Yeah, let me, did let you me read them? So yeah, Darth yeah, Maul is my favorite. Uh, it's awesome that Darth Maul was in this. I guess that mm -hmm. came out pretty close to to Star Wars Episode One. Wolverine, yep. Officer Dick, uh, <laughs> Private Carrera, Ollie the Magic Bum, 
I remember <laughs> Ollie the Magic Bomb. He was very drunk. Yep. Uh, Kelly Slater, who's a skate or a surfer, so yes, his board would be a giant surfboard, and, it and there's hilarious. like no traction. It, right. it is it handles completely different from the <laughs> from the skateboards. Huh. Then there's Demon S, who was just like a succubus. The mm-hmm. Neversoft Eyeball, who is <laughs> it looks like a guy stitched together like a Frankenstein, and then with a giant eye for a head. It's very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like that. Uh, PC had Doom Guy as an exclusive. Oh, snap. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's and cool. And there is a Xbox exclusive X-Ray. Get it? Oh, Xbox, cool. Xbox X-Ray. It's just a skeleton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So then, the Neversoft Eye. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say there are actually three, since we're, you know, you're in Japan, there's three exclusive Japanese skaters. I don't know who oh, they are. It just snap. says three exclusive Japanese skaters in the Japan Ooh. version. I'll have to check this out sometime. That's kind of neat. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, the Neversoft Eye and Demon yes. S have completely opposite stats. Demon S is maxed out at all stats. By oh, default. she is? Yeah, and the Neversoft Eye has one stat for everything. <laughs> so he's the worst skater in the game. That's funny. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. I've never even cared about stats in Tony Hawk. It's just like, who do you want to be? Okay. Cheats are yeah. on, right? <laughs> yep. Okay. We're good. <laughs> but um, this this game is just riddled with secrets, Easter eggs, and just goofy things that you can find. For instance, and I'm going to be nitpicky here, the Tokyo level, which is kind of cool because it's so high-tech, kind of like the Akihabara district of Tokyo. Okay. Uh, there are some typos, and there are some errors in the in the Japanese on this game. <laughs> Before you go into that, I just looked up the picture. There is a loop in the Tokyo level. Yes. Okay. There's a... Yeah, just the the really big loop. There's two... There's two... It's, it's actually a very symmetrical level, and there's two loops right next to each other. But mm. go on. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say that there's... um. There, there are some uh, typos in the Japanese. <laughs> oh yeah, like what? along some of the billboards. But uh, I know you've played this game on the N sixty four, right? Or at least you played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater two, right? Yeah, I never played three on N sixty four. It handles about the same. Oh yeah, like the same engine and everything. And it's really hard to go around loops on the N sixty four versions. You need a lot of speed. Oh really? Yeah, a Why ton is it... of speed. So it's different than the gamecube version yeah the next gen versions are much easier to go on the loops with so there's like a different what a f- different physics engine or something oh yeah they completely redid the games for the next gen consoles they're a lot smoother that's so weird Mm-hmm. they redid the game completely but it okay. plays a lot better so, so here let me just read it read you a quick snippet that i pulled up it says the N64 slash PS1 version. So it was on the PS1 as well, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, due to limited power are based off of Pro Skater 2. This also applies to the PS1 version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. Wow. PS1 went all the way to 4? Weird. While PS1 mm. and N64 levels repeat general shape of their next-gen versions, there are a lot of differences like the elevator in Los Angeles or extra area in Skater Island. that's it that's another cool thing skater island do you remember that it's like a giant indoor skate park uh i don't i don't remember it it's all good but there's <laughs> a really cool part if you grind on all the pirate flags it opens up a whole new section that's just a beach with a pirate ship oh cool yeah there's an outdoor section and it is really cool so if you ever listen to this folks <laughs> play the game and do that you can get to a pirate ship so, so what was so great about the Tony Hawk games? Why why did you like it? Multiplayer, first off. Okay. Open world multiplayer, uh, where you could just, well, not necessarily true open world, but you could go and skate around these huge parks and kind of do what you want. And you could customize your skaters. I loved that. You could customize your parks. You could build your own skate parks and change the art style and everything. Oh, yeah. I love that as well. 
and this is one of those games that I remember playing specifically with you a lot. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Just so much to do and so much to discover and so many secrets. That's what's so great about this game. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> and But as I think about it, again, Tony Hawk, it's, it's such a remnant of that time where yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s, like we were saying last week, they're so in your face and like X Games and... And skateboarding was super popular back then where like everyone played Tony Hawk. And now if mm-hmm. like a big AAA skateboarding game came out, I don't know how many people would care, which is interesting because there are rumors of a Tony Hawk's one and two remake coming out this year. I oh. know we talked, we talked about that in the past. A few more leaked details have come out um, since then, but it's kind of pointless to talk about what might happen when our episodes come out so delayed because it might already be out, but they were certainly super fun, especially with friends doing cool tricks, just feeling, yeah, you definitely felt like a part of that skateboarding culture playing those games. Like you, you were given this insider view of what it's like and it was just super enjoyable. I -hmm. loved them. Same here, man. So much to remember. Oh my gosh. Nostalgia trip one Oh one right here. (laughs) I gotta break this game out again. Yeah, you do. (laughs) All right, so that's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. And we're counting down to the wonderful moment of what you have to say, Cameron. Oh, boy. Uh, Go ahead and give us some of the lowdown. (laughs) Okay, so the third and final game we're going to talk about is Majora's Mask. Now, Majora's Mask is quite the game. A very, very interesting Zelda game that stands out, I'd say, amongst the other Zeldas. So before we get into it, what's what's your initial impressions, thoughts on this game? It's so unique. It's, it's so great, unique. but it was very different from the other Zelda games. It had a very different feel mm-hmm. and a very polarized audience reaction. Yeah. That's what I remember. So yeah, at the time, I think some people just didn't know what to make of this game because mm. it was... So let me, I'll just go into my own story here. Like I was saying with Ocarina of Time, I, I hadn't played, I didn't play the Zelda games in their time. I didn't, I played them like in high school. So I ended up, I bought Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask together. And after beating Ocarina, just went straight into Majora's Mask. And after coming out of Ocarina and coming into something so identical down to the character models of everyone you encounter in the game, yet so drastically different. I just couldn't get into it. I only played the first dungeon and just couldn't get into the whole time mechanic and gave up. And I didn't end up finally playing it until the 3DS remake came out. And oh my gosh, I loved it so much. I don't know what the difference was between the times, but... I played that game to death. I loved, loved, loved it on 3DS. It's probably one of the best games to come out on 3DS. Yeah, I would agree. I played a lot of it too. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, This game has an interesting story to its development. So first off, it is weird. It's ominous. It's, It's got this dark feel. And the game mostly centers around the town of Termina. And in three days, the moon is going to crash down on the Termina and kill everyone. But you can use your ocarina to reset those three days as much as you can. However, the only thing that stays is your bank account Mm. and the items you have, right? Everything else reverts as if it never happened. Now, there's things you can do, different song combinations you can play, like the song of double time which slows the the time drastically, which you really need near the end of the game. Mm. Let's get into the development. So the whole concept is based around time. Ironically, 
it's it has more to do with time than ocarina of time i'd say <laughs> that's funny so this game came out in april 27th of 2000 that's roughly only a year and a half after ocarina of time so what happened was nintendo they wanted to put out a altered version of ocarina of time on the disk drive that ended up failing and this was kind of like the Master Quest. If you hmm. you know the, the Ocarina of Time Master Quest, it, it's the same game, but ha- it's more difficult and has some altered dungeons. But at the time, the guy who had worked so hard on these dungeons, um, let me mispronounce his name. Oh my gosh, how do you say this? E-I-J-I. E-I-J-I-A-G. Okay, so A.G. Ayanuma. So he, he had worked so hard on all these dungeons and spent years on them trying to perfect it. And he says, no, let's, I don't want to redo these. Like, these are perfect. We don't need to, to relaunch this game. Let, let me make and work on a different Zelda game, a, a brand new one. And Nintendo says, okay, but do it in a year. And that's crazy to make a game in a year, especially to turn around that fast from Ocarina of Time and come out with this brand new Zelda game. And that's why so many assets are reused, why you see all these same character models, but they have different names now for some yeah. reason. Yep. And because of that, it spawned a lot of actually cool theories about what is Termina. Is Link actually dead? Termina sounds like terminal. Terminal means death. And yeah, <laughs> I, I highly recommend go dive into the theories of of Link actually being dead in this game. And they are dark because this game is dark and they make a lot of sense. Uh, however, the, Nintendo has, of course, denied those claims. It's just a, it's just a normal game. There's no theories to be had. And, you know, the idea of Termina being called term or yes, Termina is based off of the word terminal but that's just because they see Termina as like the hub world, you know, like a train terminal or something like that. Um, So it's based off of that word, not the death word. I think some of those theories in turn kind of helped reinforce people's ideas about thinking this game is really dark and stuff like that. Yeah. Man, it is dark. There's some, some interesting side quests in this game. I mean, just, just the whole gloom of yeah, the moon creepy. hanging over the over the world over the termina and skull creepy. kid so skull kid you know is really kind of our main antagonist here who's really just kind of misunderstood and wants to fit in mm-hmm. and when things don't go his way uh the mask majora's mask possesses him takes advantage of him and yeah. uses that power to to try to destroy the world and you you definitely feel bad for skull kid I'd say by the end of this game, it's it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, you anyway, you uh, let me let me finish up some facts here. So the 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 initial concept of this game actually came from a German film. So there's this oh. film called Run Lola Run, and essentially what it is, it's this movie segmented up into three stories that all start the same, but then progress differently. So they mm. have like. It's kind of like a butterfly effect thing where, mm. you know, what something different is happening each time. And so uh, this guy, Koizumi, he took this concept. He's like, oh, I, I really like this. I want to make a game based off of this. And he, he kind of prototyped out a game around cops and robbers where you had to catch this villain in seven days. And it all revolves around like this small city, but with, you know, a lot going on there, a lot to yeah. do. That ended up being canceled, but the idea passed on to Majora's Mask, and I'd say arguably is the coolest part of Majora's Mask. Like, Termina has so much fun side quests and stuff going on there. Like, the characters in this game have some of the most story and personality out of any Zelda game. And, (laughs) oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. So they started off trying to make this game into a a seven-day cycle. But oh okay, I mean you know how much is in just these three the three days that are in it. 
Yeah. So yeah, no kidding. It was too much. They they dropped it down to three days just because they could not get that done. That was so much content, and they figured seven days of like waiting around the city, waiting for certain events to happen. Each time you reset the clock, it was just a headache to mm. to do all that. Okay. So I'd say the most interesting thing here, though, is Aonuma, while he was planning this game with only a year to do it, was being stressed out like to no end to where he was having nightmares. And he had this nightmare, and the next day he went to work, and one of his programmers showed him a cutscene he'd been working on. And it's the cutscene near the very beginning of the game where all of the Deku scrubs are like tormenting, surrounding Link and chasing yeah. him as like a giant Deku scrub chases him and that was his dream that was like the nightmare he had bef- the night before oh gosh yeah oh, that's creepy that's so creepy anyway wow <laughs> the, the, again more more dark facts about this game jeez yeah. <laughs> Ooh, man, let's take a little break from all my facts what what do you love about this game? I, I loved the I don't want to say the creepiness. I loved the mm, the differences. Okay. I mean, yeah, it was creepy, but I I, I like that whole three day cycle thing and all the things yeah. that you could do and just all the different things you could do and how many of that uh, would all change or how much of that will all change if you just reset the time like one small thing like you said the butterfly effect would affect everything differently uh, later along the line but i also yeah. just i like that that thrill of of not knowing what was gonna pop around the corner in some places like ikana valley that mm-hmm. place was so creepy and <laughs> you never knew it was gonna pop out from un- underneath the ground or behind the corner or what was just gonna appear so i i like the unique factor of this game yeah, um, it's definitely unique. And it was so fun to play on the DS later on. You you were the one who, who inspired me to to buy it on the DS because you kept going on about how so, how good it was, and it was yeah. so true. It was, <laughs> I brought it to your house and I shown it yeah. to you. Yep, and it was just, it was so good in, in all those ways. And also, it was fun to be able to use the um, expansion pack for it. I remember yeah. getting the expansion pack and being like, yep, I can play this game now. Oh, yeah, I've got the expansion pack. I felt so Ooh. so high and mighty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say one of my favorite parts is I really like the masks in this game. Just oh, the, yeah. The whole concept of it. So for one, you know, there's tons of masks to, to pick up through side quests, some necessary for progression, others not. But more importantly, the three main masks that you get to use, you got the Deku Scrub, the Goron, and the Zora, which mm. all give you different ways to play. And that was really fun. And so the reason they did that is because they, they liked the whole mask concept in Ocarina of Time, but mm. it, it was barely utilized. Like they didn't yeah. really do anything with it. So they wanted to build off of that. And uh, yeah, they created those masks. Here's a fun fact for you. So they really hated the fact that no NPC reacted to you transforming because <laughs> they were always like these pretty dramatic, intense scenes of you transforming, of you screaming yeah. and looking up to the sky as you transformed. And then the NPCs are like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> so because of that, they're like, oh, this is so unrealistic. People would react to this. That's why they implemented in Twilight Princess, where you couldn't transform into a wolf with anyone in eyesight. And it ends up being uh, one of the more frustrating parts of the game is anytime you're like in the city, you got to go find an alleyway to hide in before you transform. Yeah. But it's because they, <laughs> they're like, oh, we'll just we'll bypass that. But I don't think anyone was really thinking about that back in the GameCube days. <laughs> Of, no. What? This no. guy didn't... He doesn't care I transformed into a wolf? What is this? A video game? <laughs> this this universe is so not like our own. It's Why on not. earth would we be playing as an escape or anything like that? <laughs> uh, That's yeah. funny. But then you are the wolf and people react like, yeah, it's a wolf. It is a wolf. <laughs> Ganon. Ganon's not the bad guy in this. Oh my gosh, you're right. 
There's no Ganon, is there? Yeah, not at all. What? Mind blown. Yeah. Yeah, it's all around Majora's Mask. <laughs> it is. So another one of the main characters in this game is the Happy Mask Salesman, right? He's the one who set you on the path. He, he needs you to, to reclaim Majora's Mask. And there's a, a pretty convincing theory that the Happy Mask Salesman is based off of Shigeru Miyamoto. And oh. they, they have a very similar smile and resemblance. Yeah. And the theory is just like, you know, he's the one kind of pulling the strings behind the whole game, orchestrating everything. He's got a, a Mario mask on, on his pack <laughs> and so on. It's like, yep, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty true. It's funny. That bright smile, just so happy. Creepy smile. <laughs> the mask salesman. He was a character that carried over. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's like his character model carried over, but he's the same character. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I see what you're saying. He's not yeah. a different personification of that character model. Which is guy. ironic, because this game is all about masks. So you're it the is. same person, just changing the look. It's almost Whoa. like everyone around you is the same. Whoa. That's deep. Man. This game is deep. It is it's so good. It's so good. I feel like it was unintentionally deep in some regards, though. I don't know. I just like... How did they pull off this game in a year? It's wondrous and awesome. But part of that is it, the game only had four dungeons. Yeah. That's uh, Woodfall, Snowhead, Great Bay, and Stone Tower. But I, the game does not suffer because of that. Like, there's so much good stuff in between the dungeons. Yeah. That you don't miss it. Like, four dungeons is fine. And man, Stone Tower, particularly, is. Hmm so good i it's remember epic. it's it's a long one for sure yes yes and i remember feeling so smart for solving certain puzzles in there but then <laughs> near the end it's like oh time is getting close i'd really need to, to finish this up it was the only dungeon that gave me that that fear that i might run out of time yeah <laughs> but uh that that time that you're spending with all the masks i think it makes up for it nicely yeah, that makes definitely. up for the lack of dungeons. So, um, let's just go ahead and bring it towards the end here. It's the most memorable here is the end of the game, which I think is is so surreal and strange. Mm. And I actually don't remember the circumstance. Why do you end up in that field in the with the tree? What brought the, you there? The field with the tree. That's the surface of the moon. Remember? Is it? Yeah, okay. after so, you go up to the moon, there's just that giant tree with the field. Okay, so I didn't remember that you went to the moon. But yeah, that, that moment is so strange mm. where you go up to the moon and there's these four children all wearing the masks of yeah. the bosses you've killed. You can start giving them masks and then the fifth one is a kid just hunkered under the tree wearing Majora's mask. Yeah, and it's just so strange and surreal but then after all of that if you have played the game to completion and collected all the masks you can trade in all your masks to be given the fierce deity mask yes. which is basically adult Link but way overpowered right the yeah. super strong version of adult Link and you can only use it on boss fights Yep. And so you use it to go in and defeat Majora's Mask, who is one crazy boss. Yeah. But I, I kind of felt disappointed when I played this because I, I did get all the masks and I just felt like I cheated on the final <laughs> boss. It's like, oh, this was a this looks like it would have been a really hard fight, but I just yeah. wrecked it playing as Fierce Deity Link. And yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like that. I don't want to feel like I cheated the last boss. Yeah. I mean, if it, it's it's in the game, it's in the game. I guess you're supposed to feel like you earned it with all the masks. But yeah. you're right. The boss fights are, I wouldn't say they're less fun, but they're just too fast because Fierce Deity Link is so overpowered. Yeah. So Fierce Deity Link, there's been kind of some, some question is, what is that mask based off of? Um, so there's actually a lot of uh, Asian culture around his mask that... I forget 
So look it up on your own. But <laughs> throughout the game, each mask you wear is based off of a dead character. And mm. so people are like, well, what is Fierce Deity based off of? And so I believe Nintendo has said that he's based off of like all the dead and the memories from Termina. It's like the personification of the people of Termina. Oh, wow. And it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that is cool. But yeah. That's the hardest one to get. For sure. Snap. Harder than but, the couple's mask. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> the couple's mask. You that, that used to be a staple of things you would always bring up. Is anytime <laughs> we talked about that game, and, I, and still, we must have talked about it so many times where I had still not yet played it. And you'd be like, hey, have you got the couple's mask? Or have you heard of the couple's mask? <laughs> you would bring up the couple's mask a lot. And it's just like, what's so dang great about this couple's mask? Oh. But it's because it's, it's a cool side quest that goes the length of the full three days. Yeah, and it takes forever to get. It is insane. But hey, Cameron, do you know what the couple's mask is? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. It's, gotta, it's pretty emotional. Where, uh, yeah. The the guy has been turned back into a kid by Skull Kid, and you're trying to reunite him with his woman, and they still go through with, or I guess they don't go through with their wedding as a kid. The wedding happens in the cutscene yeah. after you beat the game, mm-hmm. but just as they like embrace, as they know they're about to die, as the moon Basically. comes down. It's Ugh. pretty deep. This game. All the feels. Oh, the Gibdo mask? Now getting that one, that was emotional. Oh my gosh, he, that where the dad like terrifyingly comes out of the the closet like a half zombie mummy. Yep. Right? Yep. Oh my goodness. As I'm talking about this, I might I like this game more than Ocarina of Time, I'd say. You think so? I think so. Give it the edge. Awesome. I would I will give it the edge. So there's another fun fact there. One more. Okay. <laughs> Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask saw very slight changes onto the Link character model because in Ocarina of Time, he had no chest strap to show oh. that there was a shield attached to his back. Mm-hmm. And in Majora's Mask, they added one. Oh, I guess I didn't pay attention to that. So tiny cosmetic difference. I only know that because Nintendo Power revealed it in one of their magazines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wonderful game. I'm going to go play yeah. it after this, actually. All right. I'm going to break it out. Um, and listeners, I highly recommend, I know I, I uh, promote game theory quite a bit, but one of the very first game theories that that channel posted was about the fact that Link might be dead in this game. And it's kind of the video that sparked all the interest in his channel. It's like how he blew up and, and got popular. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not Nintendo-sanctioned canon, <laughs> it is definitely worth watching it is very very good but anyway jake uh there we go we just talked about three games that didn't get their own episode but still very great games as we make our descent towards the end of our n64 era of the 90s but lots of good things still to come what do you think i think that i am excited for all that because we're about to go into the I'd say more interactive and more deep part of our childhood. Sure. I'd say. Yeah. The early 2000s when we both uh, really, really got into gaming. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. We got some stuff to to go off of there. Yes. We are excited. Hope that you are excited as well. And I, I hope we're keeping up good content for you all. It's always interesting as we we listen back to our own episodes. Some of them are really, really good. Others just exist. And (laughs) it's it's kind of hard for us to figure out. We're still trying to tweak the formula of what makes a really good episode. And uh, we appreciate the feedback that uh, those of you who have have given us. And (laughs) we certainly appreciate you sending us emails. So don't forget you can email us at region unlocked podcast at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you and uh, read whatever you have to say on the air and that i believe does it yeah i think so okay so thank you so much for listening 
This has been Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And have an awesome nerdy week. Sayonara, everyone. <laughs>